0: tandem nomads episode 182 if you embrace your identity and it might be that you have um more than one identity um within yourself um if you're able to embrace your identity you can live your fully true self and authentic
1: self and then you can thrive um in your professional life and also in your private life Hello Nomad Nation! Welcome to Tandem Nomads, the podcast show and entrepreneurship platform where you can find great inspiration and tips to grow a successful portable business and thrive in your global nomadic life. This is your host, I'm a business and marketing coach and the founder of Tandem Nomads. Today, I want to support you in facing your insecurity that might be stopping you on your way to building your dreams, reaching your goals, and growing in your own personal journey. In order to speak about this topic, I'm excited to introduce you to Ellen Wagner. Ellen, are you ready? Yes, (laughs) For the yes, <laughs> I'm ready, Amel. <laughs> Fabulous. Ellen Wagner is a bilingual expat and diversity coach. She supports expats in growing in their life journey, keeping their orientation and overcoming their inner barriers. Ellen also helps individuals from minority backgrounds gain confidence and feel empowered to share their voice and be visible. With African-American roots and growing up in Germany, she now lives with her wife and daughter in Princeton, New Jersey, USA, where she moved and changed her career to support her wife's career. Prior to becoming a coach, Ellen built her career in hotel management and tourism, where she gained her experience in conflict and negotiation management. So this is a very quick overview of you, Ellen. I would love it if you can give us a little bit more about your background and the journey that led you to where you are today.
0: Yes, yeah, sure. I'd like to share that. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Um, well, where should I start? Maybe like after school? And I was thinking, what can I do? So I decided to study business administration with a mayor in tourism and um informatics and during this time i was traveling a lot so i was living in spain in tunisia in greece and working as a tour guide and i was yeah continuing having a lot of contact with different cultures um, that was actually the reason why i went into this industry um, tourism because i wanted to travel the world so um, yeah, after my studies, I decided to work for a tour operator, so to be on the other side and um, work as a product manager and hotel contractor. So again, I was traveling a lot and I was making hotel contract with hotels in Morocco in the Mediterranean Sea, so I could use a lot of languages, a little bit of French, a little bit of Spanish and uh, Shreya Arab and that was really um, a great time to grow and to um, yeah get experience abroad um, in international business. But at the same time, being an employee um, in a huge company, you always have to follow standards. So I felt like, hmm, I want more. I want more creativity. So I was working as a freelancer um, in education, starting with... Um, Correcting tests, starting to correct study scripts, and then ending up writing my own study scripts, and um, having first trainees uh, trainings, webinars, and online lectures that ha- that happened already twelve years ago um, so parallel to my career in tourism, I was working and gaining um, experience as let's say, my own boss, which I really <laughs> liked. And I could be just free and confident with what I could do and my creativity. But then after, yeah, 10 years of working in a, in a huge group, um, I had kind of a crisis. I didn't feel okay where I was working. and uh, The environment was kind of toxic. I didn't feel like I belong. So I seeked for help and i got in touch with a coach who helped me go through this tough time and i was also thinking okay you have to go and network you have to go out there and meet other people and ask them for advice so i went went to many business events and always raised my hands when there was a q a and i said oh i'm ellen i'm looking for a new job <laughs> and um, just putting myself out there until someone came up to me saying yes i'm an hr consultant what is it that you want to do? And I thought, oh shoot, I don't know what I want to do. And that was like, he was coaching me. He was asking me this essential question. And I didn't really know what I want to do. I just wanted to get away from this job. But I know running away from a job is not really a good solution. You have to run towards something. So I was thinking a lot, taking my time, and I was sitting down writing myself a wish list. (laughs) So this wish list contained all the facts that I love about a job, not knowing what this job position would be called like. And I wrote down how much I wanna earn, um, how big this company should be, how long I should drive there, what the task would be. I wanted to keep on doing my lecturing, but I also wanted to work in sales, So all these things I wanted, I put down on a paper. And as soon as I knew what I wanted to do, it was so clear. And all of a sudden doors opened up and one of these doors was a friend saying, hey, you want to work at our company? And I said, wait a moment. I (laughs) took a look at my wish list and it says I want to work in Cologne and not in Dusseldorf. Um, but then I thought, what if I would work in Düsseldorf? And I just crossed that out on my wish list. And I had an interview and I, had, I, I um, got this job. And it was exactly this wish list. Maybe just this one thing with the city was different, but I was so happy. And that was such an empowering moment for me after knowing what I want that i can get it that i can reach my goals so i decided to um, get certified as a um, life coach in germany we say systemic coach because it's about coaching within a system so it can be the system within yourself the system with you and your partner or the system with you and your colleagues and work or the even bigger system the country you're living in and um yeah Unfortunately, I wasn't working in this job for a long time because my wife got the good news that we're going to um, move abroad to the United States. So last year in April, we moved with the family and our daughter here to Princeton, New Jersey, where, yeah, I had to wait for my working permit, getting into this new role of a so-called housewife, which wasn't really making me happy. (laughs) But I got through this rough time and educated myself, learned everything I needed to know how to build my business. And at the end of the year, I received my working permit. And the next day I founded my business. (laughs) And the rest is history.
1: (laughs) Amazing. And I have noticed you and your work through Everything you do to empower people to feel more confident, especially people who actually feel very different, which is the case of a lot of expats, but especially, you know, we talked a lot about, about the work that I'm trying to do, the anti-racism work and, and bringing awareness around that. You also work a lot with minorities, helping them uh, speak up for themselves, and I always I, I remember telling you how for me it was interesting because we always talk about what we can do uh, to fight racism, but not enough of what we can do to find the actual courage and confidence to speak up against it, whether we are um, we are discriminated or not. So I was very interested with the work you do that, and you have a special relationship to being different <laughs> in so many ways. So I'd love it if you could tell us a little bit about your background and why you are very much helping people who feel different and, uh, and, and helping them getting empowered to speak up for themselves.
0: Yeah, sure. So um, yeah, when I grew up, I was different. And um, the reason for that is I'm a person of color. And my parents are white. That's um, because they adopted me when I was six weeks old. So I was born in Wuppertal in Germany. Um, But I know little about my, let's say, biological parents. My mother was white. My father was black. But that's all I knew. So, of course, um, at the moment that I was able to speak and talk with my parents, I asked why am I different? <laughs> so they revealed, of course, um, and talked with me about the adoption. And that was just fine. And I was fine with that because my parents are the best that I could have. But growing up in this um, yeah, city um, was a little hard because I was the only person of color there. Or let's say the only black person. And there was no child that looked like me um, or I can relate it to. Um, when I was a child, I think I never really thought about it, because my parents never talked about racism. Of course, they wanted to protect me and say, "Don't go to the bigger city; it might be dangerous." But they never really stated why. So when I yeah m- moved out from my parents' house and ex- exploring the world, I realized, oh, um, I am w- when I'm in Germany. <laughs> People ask me, where are you from? Because they don't expect me to be German. But when I'm abroad and I might blend in, let's say Brazil or parts of Malaysia or parts of Africa, where people would not expect me to be a foreigner, as soon as I open my mouth, they say, oh, you're not from here. So it's hard for me to really fit in anywhere because I kind of am different all the time. And then later in my life, um, after I broke up with the uh, father of my daughter, who is from Central Africa, Cameroon, I kind of em- started to embrace my identity and knowing, okay, I can find peace within myself. I don't need another person to be complete or to be okay. In uh, this moment I could, I was kind of free and I met my wife. She's blonde, blue eyed and yeah, for, let's say, my best friend, it was not a huge surprise that I was together with a woman all of a sudden. Um, but for my parents, it was, of course, they're a little conservative. And um, for many people in Germany and in the world, it is not common that you're together with the same sex. So, again, <laughs> I felt a little different than all the rest because, yeah, there are not too many people living their sexuality openly. And I figured through this time that um, the more confident I am about myself and my identity, the less I care what people think. And I think that does not only align with your skin color, with your sexuality, with your religion or culture, or ethnic background. That aligns actually to anything. If you have a bigger body, if you're smaller, if you're taller, if you stick out. From the majority, somehow people perceive you differently and they let you know. And that sometimes can be a burden that can in, have a huge impact on you. Mm. And especially in the workplace, if people, yeah, don't have anyone to talk to, it's hard to, to deal with that.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's such a good point. And I love that segue between your story and what you do today and helping people in general, like use their differences to to also empower themselves and speak up to themselves. So this is why I want you to come here and share with us some of your tips for those of you who know nation, If you are in a position where you feel that you're different and that nobody gets you, I hope that you will find some great insights here. And by the way, Ellen has prepared for you a great guidebook. So if you're interested to download it, uh, go to tandemnomass.com 182, and you will be able to download this guidebook that will help you go through the steps that we'll talk about with some questions to help you really find those answers that will help you get empowered and, and speak up for yourself. So I'd yes. like to you know, what are the signals that we should watch for when we are in that position where we feel either discriminated or simply just feel different that we don't belong? What are those signals we should look for to see that the, this is what's causing some of the challenges on the route?
0: Mm. So when I grew up, I have to go back a little, um, I didn't know why things occurred to me, why these things things were happening to me. And the reason for that was I wasn't educated. I didn't know about it. So it was kind of a white spot for me. It was out of my sight. I couldn't see it. So if you don't see things or know things, you don't know how to talk about it, or you don't even know that they are there. So later, when I learned about, let's say, racism, this structural racism that um yeah we are surrounded by. I learned about that and then I could understand retrospectively what happened in these situations. Um, For instance uh, my former principal from my school, um, he held like a speech about the new school exchange at our school. We were going to Senegal to West Africa with our German school class And I wasn't in this particular class, but I was asking him, hey, can I join this group who's going to travel to Africa? I'm really excited and interested in that. And he said, "Um, yes, of course, you are our alibi. Mm -hmm. And I just remembered that my friends were looking at me like, oh, strangely, but I didn't understand. I was just, let's say, blind to this comment. And I didn't understand what he meant. And now that I educated myself and I know about discrimination, um, I can identify these situations. And the, part, the important thing about it is that if you know what's going on, you can kind of name it and kind of deal with it because then you, it's not tangible, but it's kind of right in front of your eyes. And then it might be a way for you to... Yeah, also understand the system. So everybody of us is biased. We have prejudice and we, we are not really aware of these. So we got socialized in different cultures, in different countries, and we have prejudice towards other people. Um, and we don't know that. And it could happen that you discriminate people um, and that you hurt people. Um, and if other people are telling you, hey, that really hurt me, that was discriminating towards me, people sometimes don't understand because it's kind of a mental uh, offense um, or mental um, attack. And, and I can um, tell you about um, a little example. I guess you drink, you like to drink tea, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. Correct. <laughs> Just imagine you're sitting in a cafe and I'm going to serve you a hot, nice um, mint tea. And all of a sudden I stumble about my feet and this hot tea is getting on your blouse and your blouse was white, it's ruined, and you are in pain because it was very hot. So I don't say, oh, Amel, I'm sorry, uh, or I'm not sorry because it was not with bad intent. Mm right? Because I can see that you're in pain. But I would rather say something like, oh, I'm really sorry. Let me get you something to cool <laughs> your pain and to, to ease your pain. And I'm going to pay for the, for the laundry for your blouse. Mm-hmm. So you try to make it up to the person. But on the other hand, with discrimination, when you say something verbally, people don't really um, get it that that can hurt other people because you have your white spots. You have your blind spots. You just don't know about it. You don't know how it feels. So it's good that if people tell you something and that hurts you, it's good to speak up and say, hey, I was hurt when you Mm -hmm. said that. Mm -hmm. But in order to do that, of course, we need to be brave and stand up for
1: ourselves. Yeah. So if If I try to understand what you're trying to say in order to know if we are actually being weakened because we feel different, the signal is to see how do you feel about it and then simply say it, express how you feel. Exactly. But I guess this is the whole thing about this episode is how do we find the right ways, the right tools and the right courage to speak up and sometimes it's not that easy because we're also worried to hurt the feelings of the other person or destroy a relationship i would give an example of for example if we're dealing with a client where we're usually even more careful because it's a client or a boss so how do you guide people in in finding that courage to speak up as you said
0: mm-hmm. so um everybody is different So I would never tell people, hey, this is strategy, this is the strategy, go for it, because it's going to work. As a coach, um, I guide the people to find their own solution. But if I would have to give you a tip, um, I would follow my, and I call them the five and a half keys um, to empower yourself, I would say, start within yourself. Try to look inside of you and know your strengths, know who you are, know your worth. So that's the first empowering step to be proud of yourself, to embrace your identity and to know, hey, I'm strong and I'm good at this. And as soon as you feel good about yourself, you have a different aura, <laughs> a different, yeah, you, you're going to talk different, you're going to walk different, you're going to act different. And then what I said before, the second step would be to understand the system, to understand that there are unconscious biases, so that people have prejudices and they are not really aware of that. So even if it's not with bad intention, understand that they don't want to really hurt you and they might not be aware of that. So it might be useful in the situation where you are getting discriminated against to yeah, pause for a moment and try to not be too over emotional. Like you said, it can destroy relationships <laughs> and it can be get very emotional in these situations. So, um, and just talk about that. Uh, the next step, step three is find your tribe. And I think this is so essential. So if you are different, um, like me, I'm a person of color. I um, am a member in a network where people are just like me. So for instance, after the Black Lives Matters protest peak here in the United States, when I was meeting this group of um, predominantly black people and we were asked, how are you? Everybody was feeling down. Everybody was affected by that. But if I was, for instance, talking with my um, coaches, uh, German coaches who were white, they would never understand what I was going through. So it's very empowering to have this impact of a group. So whatever it is, if you're not confident being a woman in the business world, find a group of women who are encouraging, empowering themselves, where you can get a mentor, where you can get support and talk about your insecurities, because you're kind of in a safe space. Everybody kind of feels the same. And the next step would be to define your goals. So when you are empowered, when you have the right people to ask for help, you need to know what do you want to do Mm. and what is your goal? Is it about professional life? Is it about private life? What is it? Do you want to be more happy? Do you want to have a better relationship with your children? What is it? And just like my wish list, you can write down, what is it that you want in your life? And the more you know what you want, the more you can follow this path and you will see doors to go through. If you don't know where to go, if you're standing at an intersection, how could you ever know which direction to go? Mm. And then the the next step is put your plan into action. And that's maybe the hardest (laughs) to follow this, but you know your strengths from the first step. (laughs) You know, you understand the system, you know how to do it. You have your tribe. And you defined your goals to just do it. And that's one of my slogans. Just do it. Don't think too much. You can excuse yourself later. Just go for it. And then the last um, key step, and I made this like a half step, is repeat. You evolve and develop in your life. Um, And so does your identity. And the same thing that worked for you five years ago might not work for you today. So check within yourself and start with step one and do that regularly in order to get an empowered self.
1: These are great steps. And by the way, Nomad Nation, as I said, um, Ellen prepared a workbook for you with some questions and exercises to go through these steps. So go to tandemnomads.com slash 182 to download this this workbook. And you said a lot of interesting things here. And I kind of want to put the highlight on what you talked about, the tribe, because this is something big, especially among the expat community. We always try to look for our tribe. And sometimes it's difficult because that's the whole thing about belonging. It's not always easy to find that tribe. And um, first of all, before I go to my point, is there any tips that you have to help people find those people? Because it's not always easy to find your tribe, so how do you find those?
0: Yeah, I guess, and I say maybe unfortunately you have to go out there. So if you arrive in a new country and let's say your husband is working in a company and you're home alone, maybe the kids are out of house, if you're staying within your four walls, it will not happen. Of course now with the pandemic, there are also ways to connect with other people virtually. But that means you need to get out there. And no matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert, there are ways. So there are Facebook groups. Um, here in Princeton, for instance, there's the German Club. Um, there are like many possibilities to connect with people. And I would start with something that you have in common whether it's riding horses, painting pictures, doing a certain sport, whatever it is. So it is easy to start a conversation and just get in there and yeah, talk a little bit about yourself so others know what you're up
1: to. That's important to simply accept to get out of that comfort zone and and just try it out. From my experience, it takes a lot of error and trials as well before we really know if a group is actually our tribe. And I don't know if you agree, but I would also invite everyone to give ourselves some time to experiment and see where do we feel comfortable, through where we feel like we can be ourselves in that group and, and find support to, to be more confident and empower ourselves.
0: Definitely. And also that can change, even in, in the beginning, when you think that group might be a perfect fit for me. It could be that you evolve, that you change, that you, um, yeah, gain different interests. And then you should just brave enough to be honest to yourself and say, well, that's it. And I'm going to move on now. Mm. That's very good, yeah.
1: And we don't need to belong to just one group, obviously. And I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned through my experience. I've struggled to belong in so many phases of my life. And I think the big breakthrough for myself in the past years was to realize not every group has to be everything for me. I can have a group for my entrepreneurial spirit where I want to talk about business. I can have a group which is more about my background. I can have a group and I think, That's a little bit trying to put everything in one group might be a little bit too much. I don't know if you have seen that in your experience.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I would say that this is the same with your job. You cannot really have it all at one time. I think you can have it all, but maybe just one after another. Mm -hmm. Um, And with me personally, I still have my German friends, like my old friends from school. And those are the people who know me very well. But then I also met um, expat women here in Princeton, of course. This is like the first person you're going to meet during the week (laughs) to meet for a coffee. Um, That was last year um, before the pandemic. And of course, I am also active as a volunteer in the New Jersey LGBT Chamber of Commerce, which is a huge network with business people who belong to the LGBTQI community. So when I have uh, meetings or virtual meetings, I can just fully live my, let's say, queer side. And like I said before, I'm in this network, um, a German network with people with an African background. I can just fully embrace um, this part of my identity, which is super fine. And yeah, just like you said, Uh, I also believe that you can find your tribe, but it might be like several tribes for several needs and for also several um, different times in your life.
1: Yeah, this is such an important point. So knowing that this whole uh, topic that we're trying to address today is about finding the confidence to speak up. I think the first part, and this is what we took a lot of time on it, Before we try to speak up and defend ourselves and when we feel discriminated or we feel like we don't belong and we've been hurt by certain actions that other people have been doing, the first step starts within us, um, doing the work with us first. And I think that's what you've been explaining as well as to the guidebook. Now that once this work is done, what should we do to speak up if we feel like we've been discriminated?
0: Mm -hmm. That's a difficult one. Because again, everybody is different. And I know there are introverts, I'm not, (laughs) um, who don't want to speak up, especially in public. Because sometimes we get hurt by people we don't know. So sometimes when it happens on the street, I cannot just be bothered. I don't want to put effort in this. But if it's within our family, friends, or even colleagues that you have to work closely with, it might be a good invest to take your time and talk with that person. And then it would be the same advice that I would give to couples. (laughs) If you have stress with your partner, when do you talk about that? Do you do it immediately? Would it be better to have the first coffee in the morning? Or would it be better to bring that topic up when you're in a very relaxed mood, and you're open to talk about that? So it really depends on what kind of situation is it? What is it about? How deeply did you get hurt? But if it would be like a day-to-day microaggression, something that, yeah, is offending you. And I, um, I describe microaggressions, these discriminations we face every day, like mosquito bites. So if you get one mosquito bite, it's, it's okay. It, it's a little bit... Yeah, it it bugs you a little bit, but it's okay. But if you get bitten every day on the same spot again and again and again, it it starts to hurt and it kind of impacts your daily routine, your business life, your relationship. So you have to do something against that. And my advice is just to um, give feedback to people. And just like in professional context, start with yourself again. So say something like, Um, what you observed, you just said something to me. And what did it do to yourself? And I feel hurt because, um, yeah, you said something that um, hurt my feeling because of that and that and that, and then end with a wish. So my wish would be, don't use this word in the future because I don't like it or it hurts me. That would be like the three steps to go about
1: it. Yeah, that's the non-violent communication tool. Mm -hmm. First, acknowledge the facts, what happened, how it made you feel, and what you would like the other person to do. And I think that's a great framework to start a conversation peacefully. And I think the big takeaway that I take from that is it's never about saying, you did this wrong, is that this happened, this is how it made me feel, and I would like it if you could do this instead. Exactly, or stop doing that,
0: yes, exactly. And what we have to acknowledge about discrimination it's not about if you discriminated somebody, it's not about you having good or bad intention, not at all. It's about what how the, the person who says that I got discriminated against that this person when this person expresses their feeling, it's all about the person, it's not about you, because the same word that you um, discriminate me against could be not really matter another person because everybody's different.
1: That's so good. And I love the analogies that you use. Um, (laughs) The last one with the mosquitoes is so good. Like, if somebody bugs you once it's okay but if you feel like the same issue is happening again and again then I think that's the signal where you need to speak up you need to do something about it because it's bugging you and that's that's important um I the third part I want to discuss with you is about first part is doing our own work second speaking up and then the third part and I've seen you um work with uh, this initiative from google that's called i am remarkable and i think the th- third step is about the mindset of being confident and doing the self talk and realizing that whatever other people can say about us it should not affect us in a way um and we should just build the confidence from within so i don't know if you have any tips to share about that what are you when you facilitate these uh, i am remarkable what are you teaching people to for them to feel confident and empowered, despite of the context and the environment?
0: Mm-hmm. The the goal of the I Am Remarkable workshops, um, there, there are two goals. So one goal is to really learn how to talk about your strength, your success. And the other one is to really be aware of the society and that there are prejudices. So for instance, if a woman says that she's Successful in her business. Both women and men don't like that. They say something nasty about that woman, but it's not, oh, yeah, she's uh, successful, and nobody is clapping. But if a man says that he's successful, everybody's like, yes, that's good. Because we, um, yeah, the perception of successful women is just different. So we have to be aware of that and we have to change that. Because if you're going to see a colleague talking about her success, and then you're going to hear the people talking behind her back badly about her, you will not talk about your success. You will hold back and not say anything. Mm. So we really have to change perception. And the other part is to talk about your success. Talk about what you want. If you are employed, how will your boss know where you want to go? if you're a solopreneur, if you don't tell the world that you're good at something and that you're the expert, how will your clients ever find you and come to see you? So you just need to do that. And within these workshops, we train this. So I'm gonna ask the question, what are you um, remarkable for? What is it, something unique? And um, I encourage the group to share that within the group. And it's such an empowering moment when people who might tend to be introvert and who normally don't say that they are remarkable for something, they say that and they get applause by the others and Mm -hmm. smiles and that makes you confident. So it's all about training, just like a muscle, right? Right. When you want to lose some weight or get some muscles to train for a marathon, you're going to train. You're not going to train once because that's not enough. You are going to train twice a week, three times a week, whatever it is. Mm. And you also try to um, align with your food. So you're not going to eat junk food, but you're going to eat healthy food. It's like the whole concept about that goal. And if you want to learn how to self-promote, you have to do the same in order to get there. You have to train. So one of the key um, points that you're going to uh, leave this workshop is to find one day of the week, let's say a Wednesday, where you set up a WhatsApp group or Facebook group or whatever, and you're going to text something why you're remarkable with your friends, with your colleagues, with your expat friends in your city, whoever, and share something remarkable every Wednesday. And in this way, it's kind of training your muscle. And maybe after a few weeks, it feels
1: much more
0: easy to talk about your success.
1: That's amazing. I love that concept. And uh, we'll put the link in the on the show notes of this episode for anyone who wants to learn about that. But I do think it's really important, especially women uh, who lack the confidence to actually speak up about that for themselves, but also about themselves and where they're good at what they do. And I think it also starts by realizing it first and then saying it out loud. And the second thing you said here is about repetition. And I think that's so key. Like habits do not be are not built in one day. We need to repeat Days and I think it's 90 days, to average, to make something a habit. So I love that, um, that you mentioned that repetition. And I think it's the same when it's about speaking up. If, if you want to speak up and it doesn't work the first time, you need to continue to do it. It's not because you speak up against something that's been done to you and the conversation didn't go the way you want that you should stop. It has to be continuous.
0: Exactly. And you have to learn a way that you feel comfortable mm-hmm. with. So everybody, again, is different and you have to find your way. And no matter what you do for the first time, riding a bike, (laughs) um, skating, surfing, whatever it is, you fall and you fail. And I think our society, um, we need to learn how to fail and be okay with that and stand up again and try again. Um, I think that is also a thing that is in our society, which is holding us back instead of thinking, hey, if I learn something, of course, I'm going to fail. But this is just not the mindset that we get from society sometimes. So again, we have to start within ourselves and think about what is the positive affirmation that I want to have. So write that down on a huge paper and put it somewhere in your house. And again, it's about repetition. Mm-hmm. So you read that every day and one day you're going to believe it.
1: That's amazing. So Nomad Nation, if you want to do these exercises, go to tandemnomads.com slash 182 and you'll find the guidance of Ellen right there. You'll be able to download her workbook. Thank you so much, Ellen, for that. Before we say goodbye, I'd love to know a little more about what services you provide and where can we find you?
0: Yes, um, you can find me, of course, in the internet because most of my services right now are virtual. So um, you find me at www.cross-cultural-bridges.com. You also find me on Instagram, cross-cultural-bridges on Twitter um, and also on YouTube. Just type in my name, Ellen Wagner and cross-cultural-bridges and you will find me. And what I offer is um, one-on-one coaching uh, through Zoom um, where, yeah, I can empower you. So no matter what it is you struggle with or you want to advance and you want to have a sparing partner, somebody who takes you by the hand and guides you along your journey to become more confident, to become stronger, to prepare for a speech, whatever it is, I'm your coach. And the other things that I do are workshops. So I do empowerment workshops um, for expats or for marginalized groups. The beginning of the year before the pandemic, I um, was lucky to hold a workshop, an empowerment workshop for expat at the German embassy. And also um, I can do these workshops virtual with small groups or bigger groups. And I also do um, anti-racism workshops. um, And those are not for the marginalized group, but for white people who never experienced racism. So within these workshops... You get educated about racism, so you know what you're talking about. So it makes it much easier to talk about it. And if you fear not to say the right thing or being maybe politically incorrect, don't worry. I'm a coach. I'm not too meant to judge and not meaning uh, to judge about people. But you can ask me all the questions that you have about racism in order to speak up and be a good ally.
1: That's amazing. That's fantastic. And we had so much to cover today. Thank you so much for sharing your experience. And uh, Nomad Nation, make sure to check all the information of Ellen in the show notes of this episode. Before we say goodbye, Ellen, what is the biggest message you want to leave us with?
0: No matter what you want to achieve in life, I know we are all yeah privileged in a in a different way the one people more one people uh, other people less um but just go for it and dare to fail and just go for it
1: thank you so much for sharing your journey ellen nomad nation i hope that you found some great insights to feel confident to speak up for yourself feel empowered and please if you see somebody who needs your support along the way to be an ally and support them go for it as well Thank you and see you in the next episode to turn your challenges into great opportunities.